Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode. Before we jump in today, I want to remind you all of our headline sponsor, Routine. When you sleep, you lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water. Most of the time when you wake up in the morning, you're actually pretty dehydrated from losing this water overnight. Um, What most people forget to do is hydrate first thing in the morning. Most people obviously wake up, grab a cup of coffee, uh, and they don't actually drink water or water with something in it to rehydrate you. Well, Routine has fixed that problem with their proprietary formula called Morning Routine. Each morning routine comes in a single-serve packet that contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, and all six essential electrolytes, but most importantly, no sugar. Morning routine has become part of my morning routine. Uh, When I wake up in the morning uh, before I go work out, I normally throw a morning routine packet into my bottle of water, shake it up, and and I'm good to go. It tastes delicious, and I think all of you should give it a shot. If you'd like to try routine, you can go to yourroutine.com or click down in the show notes and I've added the link. And if you use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout, you can receive 30% off your first order. Routine, trusted ingredients, made convenient. All right, everybody. Today's episode is with Priya Mulvihill. This one is special. This one's cool. Um, Priya is a RX alum, so I worked with her at RX Bar. First person that I know of uh, from our X bar to leave and start their own food business. So, you know, she's in the beginning of starting her own brand. It's called You Again. And I will let her kind of dive in and talk all about it. But hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Without further ado, give it up for Priya. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. Today's guest is Priya Mulvihill of You Again. Priya, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shane. So great to see you. Thanks for yes. being here and inviting me on. Of course. For everyone listening, we have a funny, funny little backstory before I let Priya introduce you again. Is <laughs> we used to be co-workers back at our X bar. What was that? Twenty eight. Yeah. yeah. So we used yeah. to both work in finance. So definitely on the same yep. side of the fence as far as the you know different business sectors go. So we have a history of working together and um, excited to have you on the podcast as a founder. It's super cool. First first person to do that for sure. <laughs> Is it really? Oh yeah. I didn't even to, realize that. Yeah, I don't think anyone I've ever worked with in a like non, you know, like starting a brand perspective has ever gone on to start something like this. So you're definitely the first. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. Thanks for well, having me on. 100%. Would you mind just giving everyone like the 30,000 foot view of what you again is? Yeah, for sure. You again is a functional food brand inspired by ancient nutrition. Um, and really what we're doing is just bringing whole food ingredients plus superfoods and, and adaptogens into something that's super easy, super approachable so that everybody can enjoy, um, you know, treats without it, it being, um, restrictive or bad for you, to be honest. So it's really inspired by both ancient nutrition and my background and heritage in India. So we bring in some Indian ingredients, some ancient nutrition and some really good, um, ingredients. Love that. That's really cool. I know uh, yeah. before we started recording, I said that I remembered you bringing in cookies 
back mm-hmm. in the day at RX bar. So did you, is this something you've had like in the works for a long time and something you've always just kind of created on your own before thinking of turning it into an actual brand? Yeah, a little of both. So I definitely for a while and, and especially when I was at RX bar and just working with everybody there and Peter just being very inspired by the product side of things. Um, but I didn't know what it was that we were going to launch. I loved baking. Um, and that's exactly what you guys tried. I would always yeah. test it by bringing it into RX bar and get feedback there. But really, um, it kind of just came out of my own usage. So I struggled for a number of years with an eating disorder. I was an endurance athlete. So it was just overtraining and undernourishing. And that really led to a lot of hormone disruption. Um, I broke my bone in the Boston Marathon, just a lot of injuries and a lot of, yeah, yeah a lot of imbalances. Um, and so it took me years to really like find, um, balance and ancient nutrition. And through that, I started adding it into what I was like eating and baking. And so that's really where it all came to be. It was really just for myself and, you know, healing myself, using it for me and my husband. And then through that, I was like, Hmm, this is kind of interesting. I want to share it with more people. And it, it really just went from there. Love it. No, I love it. That's really cool. And and you hit it on it. And I, I wrote this down because I've never heard of this term before. Can you explain to everybody what, so the, the, it's called ancient. And then I'm going to butcher this word. Is it Ayurvedic? Yeah, it's Ayurveda. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, <laughs> no, you're close. so close. That was good. No, it was close. Um, Ayurvedic. Yeah. So, you know, Ayurveda is one of the oldest um, practices of medicine dating back over 5,000 years ago to India. So it's really just an arm of what we're hearing more these days called ancient nutrition, right? Because it's forever ago and it's really looking at the body holistically. It's really looking at the ingredients and how we're um, utilizing food as function. So like serving a purpose in our body from a holistic health approach. Um, And so really Ayurveda is what one of our our pillars are and where, you know, I created each of the mixes. Um, But it's really coupled again with just like my heritage. So I grew up, um, you know, kind of taking in all these different ingredients through my ancestors, my grandparents, just being in India. And so a lot of that comes from this um, holistic practice called Ayurveda. Got it. Okay. It's a practice that makes sense. And what is the, like, what are some of the ingredients that are like key in that like type of diet? Yeah. Um, So really the diet, it it really looks at um, each person in a unique way. So the really the premise behind the brand and really what we want to bring across is that everybody is unique, right? Like right now we're seeing all these diets like keto and plant-based and, and, you know, just the entire gamut of diets and, and they're all great. They might work for people, but the whole idea is they're not going to work for every single person. Right. And so that's really what ancient nutrition, functional medicine, Ayurveda, I kind of say those all together because they really all go hand in hand really gets that it's that every person is unique. So these ingredients are really supposed to um, inspire and educate people as to, um, you know, how how to really like think about ingredients and more of a functional and balanced approach. So examples would be ginger or turmeric, right? So like we hear those all the time. They're used for immunity, for digestion. We use both of those in our oat ginger mix. Um, Ingredients like ashwagandha and maca, those are known as adaptogens. Um, I don't want to get like too down sure. a rabbit hole, no, but adaptogens for any, yeah. okay, good. Yeah. So those really adapt to the stressors within the body. So those are common in, you know, ancient, uh, nutrition in India in, um, Ayurveda. So those are, I guess, there would be a few examples of, um, these ingredients that we 
we kind of point to, but each of our three products includes like anywhere from three to five of these superfoods or adaptogens that are really just great for um, overall health benefits Got while it. also being delicious when you eat it in a cookie. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and yeah. How did, how, do you remember like how it started? I mean, we had hinted that you like bring, you used to bring cookies in. Did, were those cookies just like regular cookies or did they have some of these additional benefits back then? Were you like sprinkling ingredients in? Like yeah. how, do you remember like your first few batches of, of creating this? That's exactly what it was. It was literally like sprinkling everything. And I don't like remember down to, you know, the exact moment that I was like, light bulb, this works. It was really right. just kind of playing around with things. Like, again, I was seeing an Ayurvedic nutritionist, a functional medicine doctor, and they're like, you really need to incorporate more ashwagandha because your adrenals are all out of whack or your hormones or, you know, like certain ingredients are like, you need to yeah. incorporate that more into your diet. And so I was like, okay, I could take a pill or I could stir it into my, like my water. I was, but at the same time, I was really finding a better relationship with things like cookies and brownies, you know, making them um, better for you, but also have really good ingredients in them. So through that entire process, I was like making up a batch of cookies, right? And I was like, let me try and like sprinkle a little bit of this ashwagandha into it. You can't taste it. But um, from there, it kind of just continued to build. And as I learned more and more about, um, you know, these ancient practices is kind of where it started to come from. So yes, those cookies I brought into our X-Bar definitely um, were sprinkled with these these adaptogens in them. Um, but you know, it's funny, like for a while, I really thought that we were going to come to market with a ready to eat. Like I thought it was going to be cookies. Yeah. Um, but as we kind of, we, I say we, um, myself and my husband's been, you know, the silent partner behind this. But as I was thinking about it more and more, I thought that there's something about baking or making something yourself or having like you know, here's a mix. Let me get behind, get in the kitchen, do it myself, you know, add whichever nut butter I like, you know, if I don't feel like cookies, like maybe I can make something else with them. It was really like about putting this into the hands of the consumer to like enjoy it how they wanted to. Interesting. Um, and at the same time, we thought we saw the baking out one. Like, this is boring, to be honest, not yeah. not to take, yeah. take down any of those other brands that are great and on that baking out, but there's something just needed to be disruptive about it. And bringing superfoods and adaptogens into a baking mix is just not something we'd seen before. Um, so we thought that that was a really good entry spot, not to say that we won't ever come up with ready to eat. That's definitely in the pipeline. But um, that was just really where we thought it would be a good place to start. Love Plus like, shelf life. I didn't have to do that much research on shelf life. Yeah. 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 Well, no, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, that was, you know, I feel like the ready to eat space is one that's becoming, uh, it's just, it seems like to me, it's becoming more and more crowded, right? Just like everyone's trying to come out mm -hmm. with something added something that's ready to eat. I thought it was really interesting that you went down the route of, of the baking mix. Um, obviously mm -hmm. there's a million benefits to that from a, from a retail or like a supplier, even a retailer perspective. Uh, we both know the, the horrors of, of expired product on ready to eat stuff. Yeah. So, and how expensive totally. that can be early on. Um, mm -hmm. so it makes a ton of sense. It's really cool. And I'm sure like the first thing my head went to when you were explaining that was, I bet even from like a social media perspective, it creates like a whole plethora of like cool content that your um, customers are now creating, like creating their own things and sharing them. And I feel like that probably just organically is going to help you guys as well. Yeah, that's a great point. So, um, and to be fully transparent here, it, it, you know, 
one thing that's great about ready to eat, right, is that the use case is already there. You know, RX bar. Everybody's going into the supermarket every week and but picking up their five to six RX bars for that week, right? Right. So with a baking mix, we really need to, and this is where we're focusing a lot, is we really need to um, create those multiple use cases, right? So like with our mixes, we're not saying like, hey, have a cookie like once every, you know, month. It's really that these ingredients can supplement um or, you know, supplements, not the greatest word to use, but can really like replace that granola bar or whatever it is that like it has not so great ingredients in it. And it can be really used throughout the day or you can make them into different things. So to your point, like that's really a huge focus for us right now is proving out those use cases. And it is fun. Like I love seeing when our consumers like create these really interesting and amazing recipes um, and share it with us because it really just proves that there's so many different things that you can do with it. So, um, so yeah, it is fun. And, and, and at the same time, it's, it's one of the challenges that we are also facing and, and trying to navigate through. I bet. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a, it seems like a, to me, it sounds like a, it seems like a fun angle to go at, especially for this space. Um, mm-hmm. And for you, I mean, I was thinking back to just like going to RX and then you, you left and went to another startup company for you got mm-hmm. for you and you know your husband and just your guys' family situation, what was it like, you know, you I know you worked for a bigger company and then you came to RX, kind of still start a startup feel to a degree, mm-hmm. and then go into another startup. What was it like, you know, talking to friends and family, then saying, like, hey, by the way, these cookies that I've been making, I'm now I'm gonna flip the script and I'm gonna like be an entrepreneur and 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 go and start my own startup. What, what were some of I think yeah. talking to founders about that's been really interesting to hear like friends and family, some being accepting, some pushing back. And like, mm-hmm. what was your process of, of working through that and ultimately deciding to go into this full time? Yeah. Um, as somebody that is like very, um, you know, I put more thought into anything than I probably should. Right. I'm one of those like overthinking type people. Um, it when it came, yeah, <laughs> especially on the accounting side. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this kind of just, it all really kind of clicked into place, I would say. So when I was telling friends, nobody was surprised because to your, you know, like you said, you were, you were thinking as thinking back about it, I was bringing in cookies to our expert, right? right? Like most people weren't surprised. Did I get pushback from, you know, my family? Um, to a degree I did. Um, I grew up in a pretty traditional family. Like both of my parents, you know, immigrated over from India. So to them, like very stable job and, you know, being in, you know, I was in finance, my brother's an engineer, that that's kind of just oh, the yeah. path you take, right? Sure. Yeah. So um, there's definitely some hesitation from that perspective. But, you know, at the same time, everybody's been supportive. My husband, he um, has the entrepreneurial bug. So he's always been one that's like, you know, let's push it, let's do it. You will never know unless you try, you know, like sure. there's no reason to like fear jumping into something, especially when you're so passionate about it. So I think kind of having all those pieces together, everybody has been really supportive. Um, but yeah, there was definitely some pushback. So I'm like, are you sure you want to do this full time? Um, and I would say like, I didn't take a super traditional route in this. You know, I hear a lot of other founders that are like, I stayed with my job for two years while doing this on the side. And then I launched into it. You know, I kind of just, we launched and then I left my job like right after that. It wasn't like we were, you know, off the charts with sales or anything. It just made the most sense for me and for, you know, um, where we were in our life. So that's kind of right. how that all came together. So there was definitely pushback, but I think there overall it was, it was support. For, for people listening who maybe have an idea or trying to jump to their own thing, would, would you, mm-hmm. 
would you put that to uh, just you and your husband were at the point where like, you know, as a family, you guys were able to kind of like forgo, you know, income for a little bit to start something? Or do you have suggestions for people who maybe, you know, aren't maybe in the same boat if they're younger mm-hmm. and this is a newer thing? Or how did you guys think through that? Because it sounds like you guys yeah. really, like, thought through it and had a good plan. Um, you know, I think that just like I say with everything, I think everybody is different. Every situation is different. I, you know, linking back, you know, I think it would have been better if we had more resources going through it because you never, you, you think you have enough and then you start, especially a CPG brand and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is so resource like intensive. Right. So thinking back, I think we probably, you know, could have gone into it with a little bit more, but I think everybody's different for me. It wasn't so much that side of resource as it was just my time as resource. You know, I knew that that last job I was at, I, I was working, you know, 80, 90 hours a week. Like I was, you know, exhausted. I was burnt out. Like I wouldn't be able to put my 100% into the company, into you again. And that's the kind of person that like I knew that I needed to be is putting like my 100% into it. So I we kind of took a step back from just financially stabi- financial stability and thought about it from um, just mental and energy. And could I put everything into it? And then, we, you know, of course we, we assessed our financial situation. You know, my husband kept his full-time job and we're like, okay, well, we can sustain this. And at the end of the day, like if I want, if you know, I want to pick up a job, you know, bringing in money as a consultant or whatever, that might be to continue to support it. We can, we can do that. So my advice would be just really analyze your situation and see what makes the most sense. If you're really, really fearful of the unknown with not having the capital going into it, then maybe it does make sense if you're able to, from a time perspective, keep that full-time job and then, you know, take that leap when it makes the most sense. But I really think that it just depends on both your financial situation and your mental energy, really. That's a really good point. That's helpful, but yeah. No, it does. Cause you think, you know, you're, you're married. So you have a husband too, that you like, if you work, Mm -hmm. you know, every hour of every day, that might not be the best solution either. So that totally makes sense. I think, um, no, it's just an interesting dilemma, right? There's not, there's not one right answer to it. I just think it's interesting to hear your perspective. Um, and it's, it's cool to be able to jump full in. That's kind of the funny thing I feel like about the startup world is, you know, being at a startup working for another startup usually sucks a lot more mm-hmm. time out of, out of your life than you could have ever expected. So then the thought of jumping into your mm-hmm. own, like that's, there's almost just not enough time in the, in the day or the week, uh, to do some of that sometimes. Um, that's really interesting. Really yeah. cool though. Did you, well, uh, and actually, yeah, no, go for it. I was just going to say to that, I think it, what I realized also was that, you know, I, I loved being in a startup environment, but I realized that I was passionate about bringing my own, you know, product to the market and something that I had created and that I really, you know, a message I wanted to share that I really wanted to put everything into that as opposed okay. to, you know, I know it kind yeah. of sounds weird or maybe it doesn't sound the greatest, but as opposed to putting my everything into, you know, somebody else's, I wanted to be able to put it into mine. And so that's kind of where that next step really took me into doing this. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. Cause right. If you're, if you're spending 80 to 90 hours on someone else's dream, that's uh it's a totally different mm-hmm. thing. So I get that. I mean, I hear that a lot on here, you know what I mean? It's uh that's really what you're doing, especially if you're putting that much time. It's not like that's 80, 80 to 90 hours a week is not the person that's showing up at nine and having a lunch and mm-hmm. leaving at five and, and you're, that's it. You know, that's the person who's grinding around the clock in a lot of extra time. I always think it's interesting too. Maybe it's like the CPG and finance combination or accounting. Um, the CPG world seems like, you know, it doesn't matter what 
company or brand you're at, like once you kind of get into the groove in a lot of these different functions in the CPG world, it, it's, it's replicate. You can like replicate how you do your job across different companies. Mm-hmm. Almost. It seems like, right. Cause you're selling into the same look retailers. You're, you're doing a lot of the same things at different food brands. So the other thing I've, I've learned from a lot of people on here is like, you know, if you can take the jump and it doesn't work out, it, there's all, there's probably always going to be, whether you're supply chain, marketing, finance, you could probably go back to a food company at somewhere at some stage and do that again. So that probably yep. a lot of people too, just in the back of their head, knowing that like they can figure it out. And if somehow, for some reason, God forbid they don't, um, it's not like there's not going to be any of those positions somewhere. So interesting way to think about totally, it. Totally. Yeah. We definitely thought about that too. I mean, at the same time, you know, I always told myself like, don't let that be in the, it, it's, of course it's there, but don't let that like linger in your peripheral because yeah. then it, it, it ends up being like a fallback. Right. And you're like, okay, you know, today, cause you wake up every day thinking yeah. like, oh my God, is this working? Like, am I failing? You know, every I'm single sure. day you go through like the hour by hour roller coaster. And so if you keep that idea like oh I'll just go back and get a job if it doesn't work then it can be a crutch so you have to be very careful about like where you compartmentalize that idea that's a really good point and I mean I I'm sure from what you've been through already with your own brands got to be on steroids of even our time when we both worked at RX but I felt like you never knew some weeks you walked in we'd have something blow up and you'd be like I don't know. Are we going to be around the next week? I don't know. So I can imagine it's probably like that on, on fast forward at a smaller, Mm -hmm. newer startup that you own. Right. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, and the whole concept of going, you know, zero to one. So you, you know, originally you were making these cookies on your own. You started bringing them Mm -hmm. into work at the different places you've worked to get feedback. What was it once you, you thought you had the good idea, um, and you're, and you're working at, you know, at the, at the next startup, what, what was like the, do you remember kind of like the conversation either with your husband or was it something you made in the kitchen? Like what was the the pivotal moment where you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to start. And do you remember like what the first thing was you did? Was it like, you know, make a logo? What was like the very first thing you're like, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, I do because so it's interesting and I don't, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of well, I don't know, actually, um, founders that started, we launched during COVID. Um, and so, you know, we are still in that zero to one, but one thing that I think really kind of, uh, took us off that, you know, that diving board, if you will, was like seeing that I was working in a, um, a startup that was in superfoods. And so really understanding, I would say though, one of the first things I did was understand the market, understand how people were using, these ingredients, you know, everybody was starting to think more about immunity. They were starting to think about their health. They were starting to think about what they're putting into their body. Um, and, you know, we really started to gather like some interesting data over things like ashwagandha, something that most people hadn't heard of three years ago, rose like 300 or yeah, 3000% in sales over 2020, you know, so like oh, things wow. like that, we definitely started looking at that. That was one of like probably the earlier things that I was noticing and just the trends just through working at that last company is that a lot of people were interested in like taking superfoods and baking with them. So banana bread was like the top 10 researched um, baking uh, healthy banana bread in or, um, 2020, you know, one of the highest Googled terms was healthy banana bread. So just realizing like kind of where the market was going and knowing that we already had this idea and I was making it Um, that really was kind of one of the first things like, okay, could this idea stick? And then the next thing was just like packaging them up into like, literally our, we had a previous, before we were you again, we were called remedy foods. 
Okay. Just came up with it. I don't know. You know, I had like a notepad of like all we wrote through like a hundred different names. I'm like, I don't like Love this. That. I don't like this. You know, so we did that for a while. So we had the product. Then we thought of name. Then we thought of like, how do we put this together and get it out there? Um, and we just use like craft bags. I printed off logos from FedEx, like literally made them in Canva and okay. put it up every Love time. Canva. I would just put them, put them on there. Um, and so I started doing that and then just sending them to friends, sending them to like friends, like last January. This so, is ready to eat cookies or this is the mix. This is the mix. This is the mix. And actually we had different iterations. So we used maple sugar in our mix, but at the beginning I wanted to use maple syrup. So I like packaged it up and like put it in the bag and then I oh, shipped it go. to a friend in New York and realized that it leaked. It wasn't going to work. So there's different things that like I tried in the early, early months. And then about six months into it, once feedback was coming in from friends and family, we just started our Shopify site and, and got it out there. We created an Instagram, you know, started like sending emails. And that was really like how we, how we started it um, in the beginning. Again, just literally super small batch, you know, in the beginning we were even mixing it at home. Like it just wasn't yeah, yeah, like yeah. a full on thing, but you know, for the first six months, we were just testing the market. Does Love this it. work? It, is it, you know, people are gravitating to it. And for people who, who maybe don't know how to look at trends, what were some of the, the, the tools you were using to even look at like some of these baking trends? Was it just like Google trends? Um, we used a little bit of that. Um, there were some um, like whip stitch data or spins data that um, we would sign up to be, you know, on these like mailing lists. So okay. uh, just like, you know, spins, they'll have like um, monthly or, or once in a while um, webinars you can join. My husband works for a consulting company in finance. And so they have like some um, resources that they use. So it kind of was just like signing up for different things to get that kind of data. But yeah, also just like Googling and seeing like what people um, were looking at. Again, just gathering data from the last company that I was at and seeing like where people were really um, using those superfoods. Um, and that was kind of where we, we started. Got it. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. Um, so you guys launched a Shopify store. Um, what was, mm -hmm. what was it like the day you launched? Like I have to imagine I've launched a Shopify store way back in the day. And I remember like yeah. how exciting it was. And it was like t-shirts and like very, yeah. you know, it wasn't the food. What was it like finally launching your creation that obviously for years you've been making, uh, but out to the general public? Yeah, it was funny. So I remember exactly we launched again under the old brand um, in in June last year. And I hadn't like made any mixes. I didn't have anything ready to go. I just literally launched it. I was like, I'm going to get two orders, right? Oh, okay. oh yeah. Like, uh, we weren't producing I had no idea. I was just it, yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'll, <laughs> just in time inventory, I'll make it and we'll, right. we'll go from there. I ended up getting like 40 or 50 orders on the first Day, which is great. I mean, wow. a lot of them were of course friends and family, but I, I remember That's like a lot more my than two though. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my thinking being so happy because I thought, okay, my mom is gonna be the first order. And then my my brother's gonna be the second order. And it ended up like the first three order were just uh people I didn't know. So so that was Whoa. a great feeling. Um but That's yeah, awesome. I mean I, I, yeah, you, you launch something and and you have no idea where it's gonna go, and then from there of course, is the roller coaster effect and just keeping that going. But I do remember that first day being being excited that uh, at least if anything, friends and family were supporting us, right? Sure. 
And from day one, were you, were you making it in your kitchen at that point? I mean, had you like, are you making like, and where are you, I would love to know, like day one, when you launched that site, I'm assuming from the way you explained that you were making it in your kitchen, are you still yeah. doing that? Is it elevated into a, a, a production facility or what's going on from like a, a back end yeah. perspective? Yep. We, we moved into a production facility after a couple months. Um, we did rebrand in November, 2020 and came back to market, um, as you again with new packaging and, you know, really focusing on that branding and that messaging and how we want to, uh, present ourselves. And, you know, at that point is where we, you know, really got, um, buttoned up with our production. We're in a production facility now. Um, so. I mean, that's pretty quick though, Priya. I mean, you think about it, like, launching in, in COVID. And now here we are in the summer of 2021, you're already in a production facility. That's pretty quick. Yeah. The great thing about these days is that because there's a lot of brands that are starting to do this, especially direct to consumer brands, um, you can really scale up with these co-packers. So we're in like a smaller scale co-packer. Okay. Um, you know, the, the level before you need to go into, um, you know, larger where you have a, a higher minimum orders of production, right? Um, so it's really nice now. I feel like I'm sure years ago, it wasn't like that. You had to commit to, you know, minimum 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 units where now we can be a little bit more flexible and within our resources and our means based on demand, um, and work at like a smaller scale until we're really working on that next level, which is going to hopefully come up here in the next few months. That's super exciting. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm sure that's also nice to kind of get it out of the out of your kitchen at home too. <laughs> not, totally, don't have to be just totally. making them while you're trying to like place orders. Yeah, yeah, and of course, you know, it's better for the customer. For the customer, too. yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. No, yeah. that's awesome. And then I I saw you know I I obviously from my background I'm on Amazon all the time. Um, mm-hmm. you're on Amazon now too, which I I thought was great by the way. Your guys's Amazon store looks fantastic. Was that become a, is that like the second avenue of selling you guys went down? Yeah, we did launch into um, the Air One markets here in Los Angeles in February, um, and we are That's huge. Thanks. Yeah, so that was really exciting, um, and we're still trying to figure out, you know, where we want our distribution channels to be. Um, you know, our main focus is directly direct consu- direct to consumer, but a baking mix, you know, does well on the aisles, and we created our product to really pop off. The, you know, the baking aisle. So we are working on that retail, but Amazon is, is a great partner. Um, everybody goes to Amazon. So we knew that we wanted to use Amazon, um, as a secondary direct to consumer, uh, channel. So, um, yeah, we launched in there in April and things are going well. And, and we really, we really like Amazon. Um, it makes it easy, you know, of course they take some fees, but it makes it really easy to get to get our product out there. Yeah. I always tell people too, it's, um, I always use the, I heard this from someone recently, like your D to C site, depending on how big and how well, you know, you market it could become a huge Avenue, obviously. Like there's lots mm-hmm. of huge D to C sites, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like a, a country road in Alabama. Like you got to get people to come down that specific exactly. country road for whatever the reason is, uh, where Amazon is like route 66. It's just most people at some point in their day end up on Amazon. And so the likelihood of you getting new people into the funnel is just like, it's apples to oranges on Amazon. So totally. that's exciting. Totally. And I think as like, you know, other consumer brands are thinking about Amazon and how they want to position it. I think it's, it's interesting because I, I had background at RX in the last company I was at and every company really takes it differently. It's whether you want it to compete against your direct channel site or whether you want it to be, you know, just, um, 
supplementary or secondary or, or however you want to look at it. So there's a lot of strategies you can take with Amazon. In our opinion, especially now in the early days, if people want to go to Amazon and, and that's their best friend and that's where they'll find us, that's great. You know, we're still yeah. in those stages zero to one where you just want to increase brand awareness and get into as many hands as possible. Right, right. hundred percent. The more people that try it, the better likelihood you have of them reordering and, and growing the brand. So I'm with you on that. That makes, that makes a ton of sense. What, what is yeah. like, do you guys, I know you're early on and you're, you guys are trying to figure this out, but what is kind of the thought on, on future distribution? Where can people, where are you guys trying to go into next? I'm sure there's some strategic steps that will make sense for you guys. Yeah. Um, we are putting most of our focus regionally. So the SoCal region, um, we're actually excited to bring on more of a, a sales, um, team. I say team there, there'll be, you know, more in a consultory role, but that have really great relationships with buyers, um, especially in SoCal. So they'll be, you know, helping us kind of take that next step. So we'll focus regionally, but, um, you know, we were in pop-up grocer in Chicago in May, which was really fun and exciting. And, um, obviously I have a connection to Chicago. So we are trying to get into some, some markets throughout the country that we just know really well, like Foxtrot. Um, I was going to say that I was like, Foxtrot would be perfect for you guys. Yeah, we're actually in their newest location, the one they just opened in Milwaukee and Damon. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. So um hoping to just kind of, you know, expand through all their locations. And we're also looking at things like Central Market. Um, but it'll be a little bit more strategic, mainly focusing on the SoCal region and then probably NorCal and expanding from there. Love it. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. It's it's isn't it funny that the, the food business the food industry to me is like it's 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 becoming a smaller and smaller smaller world. Like once you've worked for one and you meet some people in it, it seems like it, you're like one or two points of separation from everybody. So like, it's just, it's just funny totally. to think that that's, that was a place that I felt like everyone at RX would end up at over there. Uh, there was a Foxtrot across the street from the office, the RX oh, yeah. office. And now it's cool to think that, you know, someone that worked there is selling products in there. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is great. And it's, it, I remember when we want, we were on Erewhon shelves for the first time, I was like, just stunned. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this product is, is on there. And, you know, hopefully if all things go well, I'm excited to kind of just see where, where it continues to grow and being on a, a whole food shelf would just be amazing. Right. So a hundred percent. Yeah. I was gonna say, I'm sure whole foods is on that, on that short list of people, places you guys want to totally. get to. Yeah. It's gotta mm-hmm. be a cool feeling being a founder of a food company and seeing your product on any shelf. I'm sure that's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And then for you guys, I mean, you, you kind of hit on it at first, like you guys kind of just took the leap and did it. What is your perspective on, you know, bootstrapping like the RX bar way mm-hmm. versus raising capital? Like a lot of food brands are today. Do you kind of have a yeah. perspective? And I'd love to hear it from you since you're a, you know, accounting finance background. And so is your husband. I'm sure you have a very, uh, I'm sure you have a perspective on yeah. it. Yeah. And I'm sure, well, I can't speak for all founders, but I think in the way we went into it, if we could bootstrap it, we would, right? Like we understand um, from an equity perspective, that makes the most sense. And if you can do it, then that's um, in our opinion was the way to go. So we're still in that process where we're assessing, you know, whether that makes sense at the same time, especially because of all the brands that pop up and um, you know, a lot of the, the VC or angel money that is floating around in order to grow rapidly and really get a lot of presence, especially in a CPG brand, um, you know, ramp up production costs, um, you know, just various marketing investments that, you know, can really take your brand to the next level. Bringing in outside capital may be necessary. So I think it's really assessing that um, 
whether you can do it all on your on your own bootstrapped uh, capital. And I think a lot of that relies upon brand community and just building that brand organically. Sure. And then at that point, if if you get to a roadblock, then I think that's where the the external capital can really just bring you that launch pad to get to the next step. So we're kind of in that that point right right now where we are, you know, thinking about and starting to talk about bringing on, you know, our first round um, and having those conversations. And I think even if you are considering bootstrapping, networking will never hurt you. And I think that that's one thing that every founder should do if they're not already. And, um, you know, it's having these conversations like with you, Shane, who we've been, you know, friends and contacts and colleagues for years or whoever it might be, like whether you are going to take outside capital or not, I think networking and building those connections um, is super important. So that's kind of my take on it. I think it depends on the business and what what bootstrapping looks like to you and what your your growth plans are. That's a great point. And that's actually one I haven't heard someone say on here before is just the, you know, even if you just want to look into it and to network and talk about your brand and, and get the feel for like what's out there, that's a great point. Like you don't have to take the money or actually even do a raise, right? But yeah. you could always investigate and see what's out there and see what the market's like. It's like trying to see if the, the poker table's hot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. And and I think it's just great to get feedback, you know, like feedback from people that you wouldn't normally get feedback with, whether it's sharing your deck, whether it's sharing your branding, it, I think it just helps you not only again, spread the word and, and share people, tell people about your new company, but it helps you understand what's resonating and what's not resonating with, with somebody, whether that be in finance or somebody that, whether that be, you know, a, a true consumer of your product, I think just getting that feedback, especially in the zero to one and zero to two is so important because your messaging, your branding, it's going to change, it's going to evolve and, and it relies upon that feedback. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. I mean, to build on that for, for you, I mean, it's obviously a new venture COVID I'm sure was a huge hiccup uh, to say the least, mm-hmm. but uh, what has been like the, you know, what's been the biggest challenges you guys have tried to go from zero to one. What have you guys, you know, when I think of our time at RX, there's always, there's a few th- major things that jump out. Have, has there been any major hurdles yet of being a founder of you again, that you guys have had to kind of perse- persevere through? Um, I think, I think it is, you know, really getting into as many hands as possible. I would say like, you know, the, while the baking space not be might not be crowded, the CPG e-commerce space right now is super crowded, right? And I think it's really like one of the biggest challenges for me, and, and I, I think it's one, you know, just continuing to get out there. How do we want to craft that message? I think a big part of us is that education is key, right? So like earlier I was talking about Ayurveda. Most people don't know what that is. I do think, and data has shown that in the next five years, it'll be like a word that's thrown around, you know, every 10 people or so, it'll be a lot more common. But for us, just really spreading our mission and that education is key. And that's something we're focusing on. Has there been a challenge? Like a little bit, right? Like, I think there's a little bit of people that, you know, they hear big words and they, they get a little concerned. So it's really toning in on that messaging. But I think the biggest challenge for me is just really pushing through a lot of those like mental barriers, right? Like, like I said, there's a lot of, a lot of people in the space, a lot of people doing similar things, and it's kind of just keeping your head down and focusing on what, what you are doing and what you're bringing and being true to your, your product and your mission, because every day you can wake up and you can see like, Oh, this brand, this new brand just raised this money, or they just brought on this big time influencer and they're skyrocketing, right? Like you can compare yourself to another brand every single day, but that's only going to bring you down. And I think that's been um, 
a challenge as a founder is just really pushing that aside and focusing on on the business and and also just not growing ahead of where you are just keeping in line with what you're doing right again seeing other brands like moving you know growing quicker or getting to the next step but we don't need to we need to stay in line with with what we're doing and i think while i do have a lot of experience in cpg sometimes that can be um you know I wouldn't say a challenge, but I know where our X bar was, or I know where my sure. previous company was, right? And so I need yeah. to kind of remember that I don't need to go into four co-men right now or three three PLs, right? I need yeah. to really just stay where I am and, and ride the course. That's pretty cool to think about. Yeah, I mean, like enjoying the process of building yeah. something because you can only do it, you only do it for you again once, right? I always remember that even early on at RX, we always would say like. Someday this will not be the same way it is today, but it's the same way with, with anything you're starting. But that is interesting, right? There's probably a ton of experiences you've brought from all the different CPG backgrounds that you like want to remember so that you don't replicate mm-hmm. it, maybe an error uh, or maybe something that worked really well. You could replicate a little bit, but at the same time, you got things are always changing and, and trying to like pave your own path for your own brand is it's got to be a, a, a kind of a, a catch 22, right? I'm sure exactly uh, trying to figure out which way to go, but you know, which, what is work and what hasn't worked for other brands. So that's interesting. Totally. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so you guys have, you have the, uh, baking mixes today. Uh, what mm-hmm. is without giving anything out, you don't want to, what mm-hmm. are some of the things that you, people listening can look forward to over, you know, the next one to three years from, from you again, what are some big things that you you're seeing for the brand coming up? Yeah, um, it's fun because I would say like because we're still in that zero to one stage, like we can test things and we can have fun with things. Right. So like that's one thing that we're doing right now. So this summer we did just last month actually release a um, a cookie dough. So, I, you know, I said we we're going to do ready to eat later. Sure. We just wanted to test something and bring it to the market because it's summer um, you know, just something that is easy. So we do have that, that we just launched. We're going to launch a few more summer mixes here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, really just kind of expanding on that, and that baking category and that baking aisle so that we're really dispersed throughout there. So without giving away too much, maybe sure. that alludes yeah. to really like where, where we want our presence to be. Um, and that's really like the, the goal for the next six months is just you know, bringing more things to the market, bringing more use cases to the market, um, and getting, getting into more retail. Love that. Love that. And then this one I love to ask is just like, after you, after your time at you again is over, what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think, I think for me, and the big reason that I really wanted to start this is like, we're, a mission-driven and an ingredient-driven brand. And I really want to be known for bringing something to the Western world that people hadn't thought about before. So like, I really want people to start realizing um, the purpose food serves for us. And and, and I, I don't know if that's something to be remembered by, but just really bringing something different, like disrupting the baking category, disrupting um, how people think about nutrition and 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 diets. And so I think that's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, I don't know if that's something I need to be remembered by, but I think that that's just something that I really will continue to live off of and hopefully, you know, change the way people think about, think about food and nutrition. No, I think, I think that's really cool. I, I just had another guest on, I haven't released the podcast yet, but he's doing kind of the same thing. He's from, uh, 
I'm going to screw this up. I think he's from, he's from Israel and he started like a, an instant coffee brand that's like premium okay. instant coffee. And it was kind of the same concept. He's like, from growing up, I had all these things that were really common that when I came to the United States, like mm-hmm. no one had heard of or, or really like knew much about. I think it's like the coolest thing. Cause you, you think yeah. you would think by now that like a lot of these things from other cultures would have been, come here, but it seems that that's not always the case. And there's actually a ton of food items that have just not made their way over here yet. So I think that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, that's exactly what it is. I think that there's a lot more that people can kind of, uh, learn and lean into and hopefully, hopefully we're here to, to support them through that. Love it. Love it. Um, the last couple of questions I love to ask all the founders I have on here. And I think they're really interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I know the answer to this one. Um, I've talked about it, but for you, I mean, obviously you're running a business, so there's a a million different things you have going on. What tools do you use to track your goals for the business for you personally? And just like to daily task tracking to get shit done is basically what the question is. So like, are you a pen and paper person? Are you Mm -hmm. an app person? What do you use just to crush everything? Get it done. Um, I actually use both. So I have like a very detailed like planner. So I am definitely like a pen in person. I like the satisfaction of literally checking a box. Um, I also use Trello. So okay. I have, yeah. I have a board. Uh, we used that at my last company and, and I remember like hating it at the time. Um, but now I, I love it because I can really split out, you know, my marketing initiatives on one board, um, you know, production on a different board and it really gives me a good place to to look to for that but between that just a number of google sheets and and pen and paper that's that's really where i focus on my uh organizational love that yeah trello i've messed around with i feel like i need to give it more of a chance because i what i loved about trello is i that i don't like about pen and paper is at least in trello you can like move things like a pending bucket like Mm -hmm. you're waiting on someone else you're waiting Mm -hmm. on a response Whereas pen and paper, I tend, you know, I mark it off. I did what I needed to do, but then you got to remember, yeah. like, come back. So I love that about Trello that you can kind of like put it in this bucket of stuff that you're like still waiting on that you can follow up with and stuff. So great. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, the next one is I, I always lead with book, but it could be book, podcast, just source of knowledge. So for the audience, what's like one source of knowledge you would recommend for all of them? There's a lot of good books that I've been reading lately. Um, you know, somebody that I always look to from a motivational, from a leadership, uh, we saw him speak is Jocko Wilnick. So oh, I love his nice. book, Leadership and Strategies. We also yeah. uh, listen to his podcast, really long-winded, but, you know, he's just really motivating. Um, but honestly, like a small book that I come back to all the time, and it, it isn't necessarily about founding a company, but it's Make Your, Make Your Bed by um, Colonel, I'm going to forget who it is. I'll have to maybe you can add it to the show notes or, or yeah, wherever, can, but he, it. he's an ex Navy seal and he, it's a short book, but he has like, you know, 10 or 12 tactics to just getting stuff done and being positive and breaking through barriers and, and really just, um, you know, being the most positive self you can be. And I come back to that book all the time. And I think it's a great book for anybody to read. It's called make your bed. Love it. Okay, great. I will add that to the show notes. That's really cool. I love that kind of stuff. Like just the how to be positive and get stuff done. I, I'm I'm yeah. Um, yeah. The last question and the most important question: How can people follow along with your journey, and how can they get involved mm-hmm. and follow you again? Yeah. Um. So we are on Instagram at you again foods. I know it's kind of confusing, but we couldn't just get the at you again. So at you again, it's, foods it's on online, like yeah. a name that works for like a website and all the social medias nowadays is I feel like next to impossible. 
I know, I know. So we ran into that. But on Instagram, at you again foods, Twitter, at you again foods. Our website is at you again.co. And um, yeah, those are our main main places. I'm I'm very active on all of those. Um, and hopefully, you know, if, we, if anybody ever has questions, they can always just contact us through you again. And sweet, I'm likely the one to reach out. So. There we go. I'll and I'll add all yeah. those to the show notes so everyone can find those easily. Um, very cool. Well, Priya, thank you for taking the time. It was a pleasure catching up with you. It's been a long time. I'm pumped to see what you're building. Like I said, it's pretty cool to uh, to see someone from RX go out and, and create their own food brand. So congrats on that and wish you the best of luck. Thank you. It's been so great to catch up with you, Shane. Really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And everyone go check out you again. I will add all the links to the show notes and um, hopefully we'll get some people checking it out. Sounds great. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Priya. Thanks, Priya.